You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Well, you guys have returned to the Break It Down podcast, which I'm very thankful for. The show is a, it really is a lot of fun. It's the easiest, simplest thing that I do that I purely enjoy doing. One of those things I love to do is talk to people recurringly. And Tim from Under Oath is one of those guys. He and I are on the same wavelength. So it's super easy to say, let's get on air and catch up. And there's plenty to catch up about with this new Under Oath record, Erase Me. It's kind of been a roller coaster of, you know, putting it out and getting online hate and people nervous about it. And then putting out more, and then, I don't know, it's been a really fun, vicarious ride for me to see, is this thing going to work? Is it not going to work? And we just found out that it came out uh, after we taped this conversation, and is number four on Billboard, and sold a ton of records, and by all measures, it seems like it's been very successful, and they've even won a ton of new fans, and taken a bunch of their old fans that were skeptical and have won them over through their marketing effort and their what they've done and how they've done it uh, and plenty of things that could have gone another way that I would have second guessed, but they know what they're doing. And so I wanted to get on with Tim and see what was the process like. How did they even arrive at this style of music at this point in their career? And what are the, what's behind the changes and who did what and what did the producer have to do with it? And you know, what's the process been here? And so we don't talk forever here. There's plenty more to talk about, but there's some really interesting things, you know, if you're interested in the Under Oath record and behind the scenes and hearing it discussed in a casual vibe between two friends, that's what today's episode is, and I hope you enjoy it. You might want to get an Under Oath, you know, hoodie or something like that. Maybe go over and look at rockabilia.com. And see if you can find some Under Oath gear or some other gear that you like over there. It's officially licensed merchandise. They sponsor the show. It's a great website. makes a great gift. And you get 15% off if you use the code PCJabberJaw when you shop at rockabilia.com, which I recommend. All right. I'll let you hear me and Tim having a combo. Here we go. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 Let's make cutter. Yeah. All right, Tim, what the hell's going on, man? It's good to talk to you again. Dude, yeah. Feel like we spoke for a while for a minute, and then uh, not a lot for a while. Well, here we are. Fun. Back I again. was trying to get you uh, addicted to podcasting, so you'd go start your own, but you hadn't done it yet. I was actually just about to say that. It was like figured since I can't figure out enough time to start my own, might as well talk to you as much as I can, keep my chops up. <laughs> well, you do. We're doing video today, which is cool. And you are doing what? You're walking around your house right now on your. Oh uh, yeah, we're all drinking moving. wine. So I got nowhere to sit so i'm just gonna sit right here and prop you up on some banana peppers and we'll get it going that's great you're drinking wine which makes me a little angry but not really angry at you it just makes me mad at my time zone because i'm always you know i'm always a couple hours behind no, I'm, I'm, it's early. Yeah, it's behind here. So it's still morning for me. Like it's, yeah, what is it, 1130. True. So I'm not going to drink. And I, and we always do the podcast early. I see Toby drinking Miller Lite at, it, it'll be 4 p.m. his time. I go, man, that looks good. But it's, 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 you know, one o'clock. You just here got done with lunch. Day. I'm just, you literally I'm just got done with lunch. What can you do? Yeah, I need to set at least one 
podcast a week that's at night so I can drink a couple beers and wine <laughs> like you. It sounds it just won't be go. more fun. I'd be better at it. Well, I'll abstain just so no. that uh, we're all on the level here. Long what are you doing? You're moving? Brother. You're moving right now? Yeah, man. My uh my in-laws are moving to Africa for 5 years. Okay. So we're going to take over their sounds house. Normal. They're uh, yeah, they're going to Swaziland. Um they're going to go take over a church there and they feel pretty uh inspired to do so so we're all supporting them and they needed someone to watch their house so that's me so me and my wife and my three kids are going over there and my neighbor's renting my house and we'll uh we'll take a year by year and see how that works should be interesting that is great yeah man just you know we're going to talk about under oath don't worry i'll I'll get there in a second but i'm catching up with tim so y'all just had to sit through this but tim i am so excited when people do non-standard things especially with their family <laughs> like move to somewhere <laughs> else or do a thing or live in a rv or go camping whatever for it is three days just, for no good yeah reason. just I, yeah like most people your age with a family are just they're not doing weirder things or going to live in somebody else's house or living the kind of lifestyle you live and making you know you made giant changes in your lifestyle many times and it's sure. so cool to see people designing i mean this is the way i think about everything but you're designing your own life and you're taking into account not this perfect roadmap of what you think life should be and you have your house and you do this and you grow and you whatever and you're just taking yeah. the information and data that comes responding and reacting changing your goals looking at what the you know, facts are on the ground, making a new decision that you are in charge of. And you can do that with your career and you can do that with your family. You can do that with your whole life. And that is exciting to me. It is weird because like my brother-in-law, Nate from Amberlynn, who uh, I own King State with, we, you know, we're doing some stuff now and we just constantly get caught up in conversations about how our family's very split. We don't really have any middle ground. We have a couple mm-hmm. dudes in bands and then a couple dudes in like corporate nine to five four hundred one k jobs, and everyone's mm-hmm. equally as happy. And I don't think you have to do one or the other, but it's just strange when they will ask questions and it's like, "Well, what are you doing now?" It's like, <laughs> "Oh, we're just gonna go buy a gas station and try to start a bar." Like, right? How are you gonna do that? Oh, we'll figure it out. I we'll mean, figure it out. It's just money, and it's just like culture and vibe and like we know that so like we just got to figure out a little bit of money stuff and we're good and everyone's just minds are melting That's and it's crazy. just a really interesting dynamic to just have you know this is the only life i've ever known you know i when i was 17 i joined under oath i think this year i've been in under oath more than i haven't since i've been alive and so it's just weird for me to think of anything any other way and i, I think mm-hmm. you're the same i mean you've been in emory i've known you for 15 years now and it's just like, you guys have just kind of done whatever you want. When your band started like not going the way you wanted or you wanted to get settled down and stop touring as much, you just, instead of getting another job and going, can I take three weeks off a year so I can go do a little tour, started a podcast and then you started the podcast network. And then that now funds what Emery does and the Matt and Toby thing. And it's like, I, I'm really intrigued by life design in the way life that- Life design, that's what I've been saying, yeah. Not so much- only do what feels good because you and I are probably the only dudes that know how hard as hell it is to live this kind of life, but just do what you want and then just deal with the shit that comes with it. You know? And I think that's, that's something that a lot of people don't want. They want to jump in and then when it gets hard, they jump out or they're afraid to jump in and they could do so much more if they just jumped out of where they're at. And for me, Mm -hmm. I'm always just like, 
what's the worst that happens? Like Unrose record crashes, King State bombs, I go bankrupt, like start over. That's fine. But It'll take me five all years to be right back. Are, all of those things are very possible. And it's fine if they happen. Exactly. Like they're, and I think you're that, not making that up. All of those things can happen. And it's not, it's more than a 1% oh, yeah. chance of all those things happening. I mean, it's a real chance. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. King State just bought a building and, you know, me and my wife, we, and Nate, like together, we couldn't collateralize our loan. So I had to sign over my home. So literally this house <laughs> is empty right behind you. Me and my wife that. and my wife included had to go to the closing and put her name down saying, If Tim's oh, no. an asshole and he screws everything up, you're now homeless. And she yeah. said, okay, like, let's well, just go do it. That's a little aggressive, man. That's good. That, yeah. See, I can't get my wife to do that. I don't think so. Yeah. You know, it's I, just crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's an amazing thing to just have the support of your family, but also like know that mm -hmm. the only reason why you have it is because you earned it and you haven't done anything so drastic or crazy that makes them question your ability to succeed. And mm -hmm. it's still always a risk, right? Yeah. So it's like, well, see, I that, just really yeah. love that. Absolutely. And you said it's all – here's something that is, I think, profound that you just said a minute ago, which was it, you know about culture and vibe, and the rest is just money or something like that. I've been saying something so similar to that. I have not used that language, but I know exactly what you mean. I've been saying that what I what we know how to do is design experiences. That's the way exactly. the language I've used for the thing. You're saying, like, I, I know. You might not do, have – Living room shows and big shows and the best. being – I've You said culture and vibe, and to, it's the same thing I've been saying about all the stuff that we do. I'm trying to build some new touring models, like some new touring experiences that don't, oh, yeah. I don't think exist very well, or I think there's a big vacuum for. And I've been trying to get everybody on the team motivated and say, listen, we know, we know what we're doing. We know how to create an experience and a vibe, and they're so shows are so bad, like – I feel like shows and festivals oh, yeah. have become outdated so bad and they don't put any sure. effort into the user experience. Like go stand on concrete for four hours until you see the bands you like and wait outside and all that. That can be yep. improved so much and that's what I'm working on right now. But it's all it is is awesome. creating an experience that when you get there from 6 p.m. until you leave at 10 p.m., every minute of it, that was great. So that's what I've sure. actually been spending my brain on. And it's the same thing you're saying. I'm going to get the vibe right. I'm going to get the culture right and make it a can't-miss event and if we do that it'll work the money we'll figure out we'll just get the data and tweak the numbers until it works absolutely yeah and it's like you know nate you know i, I know you know nate but i mean my brother-in-law and partner in king state specifically like he you know had a stint in modeling and he's super you know good looking he's fashionable mm -hmm. and he has this whole thing about like you could send a dude with no style to sid mashburn with ten thousand dollars and you could send me with 50 bucks and a Slurpee to H&M and I'll come out looking better, yeah. you know? And, and it's kind of this idea of like, it's not about the money or the structure or how much gear you have or how good your recording studio is. It's like, if you have a vision, you can record something on your iPhone that blows what I can do out of the water in a full fledged, mm -hmm. you know, SSL console studio. And I think that's, that's the biggest problem for a lot of people is they overcompensate for lack of vision and lack of ideas for with money. And it's mm -hmm. like, you can't buy intrigue. You can't buy something that's interesting. I mean, your podcast is interesting because you guys, you know, especially on the bad Christian side, like you guys just constantly joke at each other and you've created a culture. And, you know, there's some episodes that sound great. And some episodes you could tell the guys on his iPhone in the middle of Iowa and it keeps cutting out. People still listen, including me, because you've created something that transcends needing production quality and a cool intro and NPR level wow factor 
it's just good content and people want to gravitate towards that. And would, would everyone love it to sound better? Probably, but it sounds great already, you know, and, and that's kind of where everything that under oath and King state and everything I've ever done has been is like, we only have this much, so let's make up the rest somehow. And the only way to do that is to be creative with the resources you have and the creativity you have. Well, that's, that's fine. That's except for it more. sounds like totally the opposite of the new under oath to me. So, <laughs> so let me let's pivot there. You certainly did not record the new under oath record on an iPhone or with your vision from that's your true. studio. It's is the very much the opposite of that. And you didn't do a lot with a little resources. You did a hell of a lot with a lot of resources. I cannot yeah. believe all the marketing. I've never seen anything like it as a guy that's been on a label Neither and have felt I. a big push and everything. I cannot believe, and I can run numbers in my head, but there's so many things that I see that you guys in Fearless You're did that cost like, so hey, much what? money yeah. that I cannot believe it, like what it costs for the billboard or the projector at the, the after-release party. To, it's crazy. Yeah. You gotta, I haven't talked to you much about it all, but tell me about... This monstrosity that costs, I know it costs, you know, millions of dollars involved here. Like it's a definitely seven figures of money into the whole everything. So tell me about this and the recording. I've never been around a recording this, this, this much. I mean, this is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's weird because, you know, we went on a rebirth tour a couple of years ago. We decided to get back together, um, do a couple more festivals, started thinking about music. And then when we kind of realized we wanted to make a record, Randy, our manager, just kind of put out the feelers. We were still on tooth and nail. Um, and we owed Brandon one more record. And we started getting a bunch of other offers. And we started meeting with people. People wanted us to come to their studios, co-write this. I'll, you know, I'll have, you know, Tom Morello come play on your record. Like we were getting all like the big wow. clickbait, whatever. Um, and, you know, we landed on Fearless because just like Tooth and Nail was in 2006, like Fearless is still an indie label, but they're a part of Concord Music Group, which is a massive mm -hmm. conglomerate. And they're still all independent labels, but they're the biggest independent label in the world. And they have, you know, everyone from Ghost to Marilyn Manson to Seether to I Prevail and August Burns Red and everyone in between. So they get our scene and they also get like, you know, everything else. They have jazz labels in their conglomerates. So, you know, they came... And it wasn't necessarily about the money or the rollout or what are we going to get from you? Like they just got our band. And the really interesting thing with Fearless is we had a bunch of offers and everyone wanted to hear music. We had meetings and like Bob from Fearless literally said, Under Earth wants to make the record and just slid like literally gangster style, like slid an offer with a number on it and said, I don't need to hear anything. <laughs> you, you guys have never shit the bed yet. So why would I expect you to start it now? I know what under oath is. I know what I'm buying sight unseen, like ship me my car from Maine to Florida. I know I want it. Yeah. And so that really set the tone for us. And then, you know, we started meeting Jenny and Heather and all the people at, you know, fearless and then Concord. And we started having these deep dives and you know about that, right? You sit in the room and all the guys in the label, you know, crew and all the, the ladies and everyone that does marketing and radio, they said, you have the big vision quest and they kind of puff you up and it's like, all right, cool. And we went down this whole list, right? We're going to have billboards on sunset. We're going to have, you know, projectors. <laughs> We're going to have wheat paste all over Brooklyn and like secret stuff. And there's going to be these symbols. I was like, all right, yeah, this all sounds great. And then the meeting got done and I was like, 
talking to Randy and a couple of the guys and I asked Jenny, I'm like, so how much of this is like actually going to happen? Cause I've had a million of these talks mm-hmm. and she's like, I wouldn't bring anything up that I didn't think I could nail. And I was like, all right, well, we'll see. And then the first billboard came on sunset and I was like, Oh, they did it. And then the second one came and then the micro billboards came and then the release parties came and then the radio happened. And like, that was the weirdest thing for me is like, yeah, we have all these things like, yeah, like whatever. Um, and then I think this Monday was our ad date for radio and we charted 40 on the top 40 active rock charts a week ago before the ad date was even happening. We were just getting like pre pre construction spins and we broke the top 40 and I was like, we're on radio. I'm getting updates. Like 45 stations are playing you across the country. And I've just, we've never had that. Everything we've ever built is just us and then someone else coming alongside us and empowering us to do more of what we do. And, you know, tooth and nail with all due respect was great. But, you know, at that point it was just wherever under us going, we just need to empower it and power it where this time is the first time where fearless has come with stuff that we're like, we never would have thought about that. And I don't even know if that's possible, but that sounds cool. And then two weeks later it happens and it keeps mm-hmm. happening and works so and is working it, it, is more I important than anybody so. can spend money. I mean, that's not like yeah. when I saw it, started seeing all this stuff, it's one thing to spend money. Anybody can do that. It's not hard. Sure. You just had to be rich and dumb, which I guess it is hard to be rich and dumb. But if you are, if you are, you can spend a bunch of money. You can get over ambitious. And when I started seeing some of these things that were happening, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, I hope yeah. this pays off because it's a big, this is a real push. Like this is, this is big time and sure. it is working. It is getting on the radio. And I'm telling you, I wasn't sure that the response was going to go the way that it was. I had some real worries about it early on. I would lo- I mean, we can talk about As that later all. too. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I'm not sure how confident you were, how well played all this was, or what's calculating, what's not, but it's been very fun. And actually, what can I say? Like, I felt invested. Like I've been watching, like, how's this going to go? Is that going to go bad? Is this going to go good? Was that a good idea? Is this going to work? I've been like, I wouldn't say losing sleep over it, but I've been kind of riveted to this whole thing. It's such an experiment. It feels like. Yeah. And it, it, you know, and, and it was, and we knew like, you know, when we went in to make the record and we could probably get there in a second, but like when we went in to make the record, you know, we didn't know what kind of record we wanted to make. And the record we came out with was very, we were aware of the it being controversial, right? So mm-hmm. it's like we have some core and rose songs, which is core to old people, old fans. It's like old it's heavy. People. There's breakdowns. There's riffs. There's whatever. And then Name we realize those songs like, that you think are those. We can slow down and talk about that. But what songs are those to you? Um, I don't think we have any like typical like here's a bone, pay off the old kids, and then like try to go build new territory. I think everything's still kind of moving in the same direction. But I think the first song, it has to start somewhere uh, on my teeth. The first single we released, um, no frame, I think is a very like obvious, like under oath going on like a radio head acid trip tangent and then ending in like a big, like ah thing. Um, and then beyond that, like there's just everything in between and certain songs have heavier parts than others, but you know, we ended up, kind of going into the studio realizing like Spencer had spent the last, you know, five years doing Sleepwave for four years and he became, you know, a singer and Aaron had done his thing and I'd done my thing with Carolhood and we've all done our own things and Chris is scoring movies and it's like, how do you make all that work? Because, you know, all of the old records were, we were similar to Emery, we were living in the same space, we were listening to the same stuff. 
the one wave was the only wave because we were all on the same wave all the time. Uh-huh. And then we went in the studio and we're like, yo, like I like hip hop and I like run the jewels and I like, you know, uh, the soundtrack to interstellar and how do we integrate that? And it's like, how do we integrate all that? You know? And, and so we ended up just kind of with this weird cocktail of ideas and demos. And it really took a lot to like, Rubik's cube everything to make sure all the sides were the same color, but it still felt like the same block. And I think we did that. And, you know, the one thing I will more than admit is, is I think this record for the first time in under earth history is not a continuous journey. And I think that's the one comment I've seen where people are like, Oh man, like these are all great songs, but it's not this big hour long roller coaster ride. It's like, you have to ride a song for three minutes and then get off and you get on a completely different ride. And I think that's really interesting, but I think that's really cool in the sense that, you know, I didn't realize how alienated certain dudes in our band felt about our music until we got in the studio. And I have Aaron and Spencer literally looking me in the face, like not drunk, not late, not angry, just sober minded, straight face, middle of the day going, there are songs on every record that we've had that I've not liked. And that somehow you and someone else pushed through and we've always felt like we had stuff we liked and then we had stuff that you liked that we didn't, that made it. And you, you're talking about you specifically, or that's the way everybody's been is that, or are you, are you trying to say Tim has pushed uh, like you specifically? I mean, I mean, listened? I tread lightly on saying yes, definitely me and only me, because I think at that point, then by default, I also have to take like a little bit of credit for everything we've done well. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say yes. I would say like going into this record, it's always been Tim's the bulldog. He sets a pace and then we he gets people that reinforce his vision. And then we all have to try to figure out a way to like fight for our own right to be a person. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. And sorry about that. And then, no you know, so then we're, we're, in, we're in that spot where like, you know, we're going in. And Aaron and Spencer are writing stuff on their own and me and Chris are writing stuff on our own. And we all have these different pockets. And, you know, what we really had to do is figure out a way for everyone to be fully present on this album. And that was the first time that's ever happened. And so I, I, I always felt like it was, and I always felt like under oath was always under oath. And it was always authentic. And everyone's like, yeah, it was your version of under oath. That was always authentic. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, you know? So, so, we had to like let go and we had to really like, I personally had to just go, let's just see what everyone has to offer here and not just be this gatekeeper between your idea getting off the ground or not. And so we started chasing these ideas that 10 years ago would have been like, no way. Why are we ever going to do that? That's crazy. That's not what we are. So it was really interesting. So that's why the record sounds so dynamic because it is. And like, this is a Tim song. That's a Chris song. And then Spencer comes in and makes the Chris song more, and a hymn song and it's now a us song but in the past it was like there's one path there's one wave we all write it get on or get off well know? it has to do with this with what you would call a scene or or a genre or subgenre kind of thing so no matter what though it's 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 difficult because you have intentionally or not intentionally but matter of factly left a very specific Yes. scene and subgenre. So that must have been a decision which I want to hear about. And then at the same time, uh Active Rocks so maybe a good way to describe it. it's on the Active Rock charts and then the production itself is another question, but the production itself is very cohesive. Like it's not all over. Yes. Like on one hand you're saying we took everybody's ideas and had to make them all work, but then the sound of the record yes is 
completely produced in a direction that is uh, cohesive and consistent. So Absolutely. tell me about how, how, how did you decide and know ahead of time what, how, what this level of production is and was? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the best analogy I can give is like, you know, a 12 song under Earth album in the past was one bus, 12 seats, and all songs had their own seat, one driver, one engine, one unit. Um, and now it's four or five different vehicles, but all on the same interstate with the same GPS going the same direction at the same speed. But each section kind of looks a little different, but it's all still moving that way. And I think that's where Matt Squire, our producer, really came in, you know, and we, we were interviewing producers. We interviewed like Nick, you know, we met with Nick Raskulinix, who did Deftones. And he was like, yeah, I'm doing a Megadeth album or something crazy. And then you'll be right in after. He's a huge, you know, amazing producer. He did Foo Fighters, all this stuff. And, we, and then we met all, went all the way down the list, down to guys who are, you know, just had their first decent record come out and everything in between. And when we met with Matt, the number one thing, just like Fearless, it wasn't about how much are you, where do you live, do you work in Pro Tools, do you work in Logic, what mics do you have? It was literally, the first conversation was, I know your band. And he started citing specific parts on old records that are not singles. And he's like, yeah, track four on this record, that bass tone on the bridge, I love that part. And that clicked to me going, okay, so he actually knows our band. Uh -huh. So that's... Number one, most important thing to me, he actually cares. He's a fan or at least a listener. He's aware. He knows our DNA from afar. And then beyond that, you know, one thing I asked him, I had a one-on-one -on -one call with him because I actually missed the first deep dive call was, you know, we have so many different people and I don't think recording is going to be really trying to get the performance out of people because Aaron's literally like the best drummer in the world. Um, Chris is just in his own world writing shit on his phone He's just a monster. Uh, I can play any part that I write, I can play. So it wasn't about, you know, the one-on-one -on -one that I had with Matt was, you know, not so much about performance. It, I, I literally just said, we have four people that have been doing four different things for the better part of four to eight years. I mean, Aaron left eight years ago, 10 years ago, actually. And so, the biggest thing we need in the room is not so much someone who knows what a good take is, but really knows how to kind of right. dive into psychology. And we need a therapist and we need to figure out like what under oath is now because all of us don't know and all of us think under oath is something different to each other. And we're all in under oath, so that we're all right. So we have to figure out a way to make <laughs> everyone being right, but also sound like it's not a flea market with a knife shop and then like baked bread over here. <laughs> it's got to feel like something real. So it's like, and that's what he said. He's like, dude, I have a degree in psychology. Like the reason why people enjoy working with me is because I know what you guys want. I, and I, within a week, I'll know who you guys are and I'll know how to communicate. And I'll, instead of you guys fighting, like, let me fuse that. And so that was really interesting. And so we went in and, you know, first day he's like, nice to meet you. We're all hanging out. We're all homies, whatever. Uh, went down every idea. And I mean, every idea we're talking like, Songs that sounded like they could be on like rock radio to like fusion of hip hop songs, riffs that I wrote that I was just out of my mind thinking that could possibly work. But he heard all of them and he took that as kind of an introduction on who everyone is and where they're coming from. And then he's like, I like that element, but let's use that on another song that actually makes sense for the record. So we, we had this really cool thing for the first time where just like the label 
kind of taking lead instead of taking our lead and empowering us like Matt Goldman always had. You know, we had a producer who was actually producing us and going, I know Tim's right on this part. Let's just let him go ape shit. And then when it's time to reel him in, Spencer, chill. I'll reel him in. Same with, you know, me. We're going to let Spencer kind of go nuts on this. He's going to sing instead of scream. But trust me, like the waves coming next, we're going to hit that dynamic that you really want in this song. So it's a really interesting kind of, you know, trust-based relationship where we all trusted each other, but we all trusted each other more once we knew that Matt was making sure that none of us were winning more than the other. And it was a really interesting scenario. And then we ended up coming out with like weird songs. Like it has to start somewhere, No Frame, um, I Gave Up, all those songs we wrote in the studio. It was such a good environment that we literally came in with like 15, 20 ideas, maybe 25. And we ended up keeping like five or six, seven. And then we wrote two or three straight from scratch because the vibe was so good. And Mm -hmm. once we all realized how to communicate with each other, I'll also having coach in the room. He's like, yeah, I like that. Yo, pause, slow your roll. Let's hear this guy. Boom, 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 boom. And the song comes out in four hours. It was insane. Did you you know that the album was going to turn? What I'm curious is, did you know that the sound of the album, which I do think is very consistent and well and very produced did you have that did you speak that out loud like we want to give as many attempts as we can to be active rock or get on the radio no. or and or we want it to have i think a lot of people are really noticing and, and a lot of people really digging the detail in the production itself sure sure and it's also hard to know with your band what chris did and what's production like what's what's a, a member writing versus what's the production style and that that's what makes it so interesting to talk sure. about sure yeah, and I think anytime you can hear one person out loud, like a guitar solo, you've done it wrong. Like the point for me of being in a band is to have three, four, in our case, six elements all working to where they kind of crossfade and blend. And it's just mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's a really strong tiki drink. Is that rum? Is it the pineapple? Is it pineapple rum? Is it the garnish? Is it cherry? Is it this? Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. When you take a sip, it's all of yeah. it and it just makes sense. So I think that was the goal is, you know, for the first time we were approaching, like, instead of overplaying and having people try to fit their parts in these weird nooks and crannies and, you know, shoving 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag, we actually took the opposite approach. We said, what does the song need? Does it feel like it maybe needs to go like this? Should we bump it up four BPM? Should we lower the tuning? Should we higher the tuning? We got more into like the bone structure and the frame and the DNA, and then everything else just kind of naturally happened. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, on the production side, we knew that we wanted someone to figure out how to glue us all together again, not just as friends, but as collaborators and artists. But then, you know, we knew kind of off top that we were going to have a few songs that made sense for radio because that's what Spee's been writing for five years. And that's where Aaron's been. I mean, Aaron's had a top five single with the almost, and these guys were writing individually and then together without any of us. So these songs were coming out very structured, very uh, straightforward. And so, you know, me and Chris get in the studio in my studio in Tampa and we start writing these super abstract, super angular, you know, pieces of music. Uh, Where do vocals fit? We don't know. It's all about the vibe. It's about the wave. And so in those moments, instead of just scrapping this one because it's too weird, scrapping this one because it's too simple, we said, well, how do we take this simple idea and then really like enhance it and make Mm -hmm. it something that's worth being on an under oath album and how do we take this really abstract idea that could be anyone just 
screwing off in Ableton and make it something worth asking someone to listen to for five minutes. And that's really where the collaboration started and ended. And then Squire and Eric Taft, our engineer, they were all there to constantly, you know, make sure that we were staying focused and not going down a psychotic tangent, either way radio <laughs> or way radio yeah. head. And those are the two things. I think radio and radio head are like the two polar opposites. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we kind of hit the half pipe and we kind of touch each rail a bit. And I, I think that's where everyone wanted to be, you know? And for me, like, yeah, would I want 12 no frames? Absolutely. That's what Carol Hood is. That's my, I don't care about anything and I don't have anyone to answer to aside from the two dudes in the band. And we all want this. So we're just going to go do that. Mm-hmm. And under oath, it's a lot to say that there's not any extra pressure on what do fans expect? What does the label expect? What does everyone expect? What do we want is a lie. I think mm-hmm. we've done or always done a really good job of knowing that pressure is there, but stoically being able to remove ourselves and not be attached to that and let that kind of ship sail. But also we all saw that ship sail. We all know that's in the same ocean that we're writing in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, dealing with all of that was really easy because Squire dealt with that. And not one time we have the word single focus track, um, active rock, top 40, whatever, all these terms. I still don't know all the terms because we mm-hmm. were, we didn't use them. And, you know, and it was really interesting when Bob from Fearless, he literally signed us, bought us out of our tooth and nail deal, then paid for us to go with Squire, like basically just blank checked us all the way here. <laughs> and then he's like, it. yo, I got to figure out what I'm paying for. I really want to hear stuff. He flew down and the first, we played it in order. And the first song he heard was, it has to start somewhere, which is not active rock. It's not radio. It's not anything. It's just middle fingers up the whole way with a lot of weird dynamics. He got done, we put him in like the pilot's chair, big chair right in the center, monitors, full stereo imaging. And he literally turned around and he just said, shook his head for a bit and then take about 10 seconds, just goes, it's a new era boys, next song. You did great and that was it. And then we just kept playing and he was just like, I didn't even, I knew I didn't have to check on you, like you delivered on every front. Every old Under Earth fan's gonna be psyched there's a few songs here that I think with the right team, we could probably work to radio, but they're not obvious because they're still you. And then there's just some fucking bangers. And there's so it's just this yeah. weird thing where even the label wasn't sitting there going, no, go back. We need something for this. We need something for that. We're trying to get sync. We're trying to get that. They just go, here's the record. And they said, great, we can work with this. And we're going to bust our ass because you guys are a weird band, but we're going to make it work because we believe in it. And that's really, mm-hmm. really special. Well, you said something interesting before about the way that it works of having everybody contribute in their own way. That must be really hard for so it, it must be hard for you. So think about it this way. You said before about the you don't want everybody overplaying to try to be heard. But on the other hand, what people are used to from the scene you're from is that extra raw almost transparent thing where when you listen to a record and we've talked yeah. about this on the show before, it's like, Oh, that's Tim. He plays in left channel. That's him. I hear his picking. I hear it. You know, it's you. And then every little thing is, it's just the band coming through the speakers and you'd say that's this and that's Spencer. And it's just so raw like that. And what you're talking about here with the cocktail recipe is completely different. Like, and I think that might yeah. be what some people don't like. They go, well, where's Tim? I can't tell. What did Chris do? Yeah. That? I can't tell, but I, that's by that design. Yeah. yeah, no. And, and has and that been that difficult to you to not like, where's Tim, for instance? Uh, not, not really. 
Um, you know, I've heard like, yeah, I sure wish Aaron and Spencer let Tim play more. Like that's why I listen <laughs> to this band or, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm glad Sleepway poisoned under oath. And, and mm-hmm. then you realize like you're, I'm reading, you know, an Instagram feed and there's heart thumbs up. Holy shit. Oh my God. I'm dead. This is the greatest. And then like one, like pissed off asshole right here, you know? Yeah. And then you start realizing like the people that are really upset have the right to be because they're fans. Like if you're a fan of something and someone makes a move, your favorite team trades your quarterback, you're allowed to go, I hate that GM, I hate is that Is that coach. what you think this is like though? I mean, I, that, that's actually a pretty good analogy, but is this like a team, tra- is, is, is this like New England trading Tom Brady? Um, I don't I mean, you think, made no, a big no, move No, 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 no. Because, we'll, no, we'll, no. We'll try to come up with the equivalent because I think you have made a big and bold move that is for sure understandable to irritate people. Some people. Sure, exactly. not, I don't think that sure. I never defend their behavior online. They're horrible. There's idiots. That's sure. terrible the way people talk about people and yeah. do all that stuff. But what is this like? Like you have made a clear move and this is different. It's like yes. trading a, a popular player on a sports team. Um, I don't think so. I, I, I think the closest analogy is we can just go back to our own band. I mean, we were a, a death metal band. And then we released They're Only Chasing Safety. And everyone was like, wait, what? There are people like, bring Dallas back. This new Spencer mm-hmm. kid's full of shit. He's the worst. He ruined my favorite band. Many years later, it was like, right? Yeah. And like, we did actually piss off and lose people. And then like, there were other people that actually came for the first time and saw what was happening and goes, I like this. And then we did it again the next year to find the great line. Everyone's waiting for, you know, reinventing your exit part two, chasing safety part two. We're going to go to, we're going to fly you to K rock and we're going to get you on radio. We're like, nah, check this out. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then that record did well. And so we've always kind of been okay with going, where do we want to go? And let's just really hope that people understand that we have people's trust where they're going to go down a journey with us. And we just made that same decision again. And it just so happens to be, it's funny how if you're a pop band and you go heavier, you're like groundbreaking and you're edgy and you don't give a shit and you're like, like the coolest. But if you're, our last record was so heavy and so uh, almost pretentious in a way. I had an interviewer tell me, mm-hmm. your last record was super pretentious and I loved it. I gave it a nine. And <laughs> your, your new record's <laughs> not nearly as pretentious. And I also gave it a nine. And it was so funny. He was like a, a German guy, so he's super dry and straightforward. Mm-hmm. But he literally said it was so hard to listen to and pretentious, and it was so awesome. And I think if you're one of those people that think that's what Under Oath is, this record sounds like a complete curveball and pivot, and it is. And that's what we've always done. And so going back to my analogy or my, my thought is when you go from poppier to like more angular and more we do what we want, like Paramore just did. Paramore's new record is amazing, but amazing, it's, yeah. it's done so – artistically compared to just straightforward you know what i mean and and you get praise for that because you're now you're on like like you're the wave and pitch work is like finally this that and the other um and that's just an analogy and then we went the opposite way but it's the same lateral move say it it that way though you went the opposite way which is what you went from pretentious to what i think we went from pretentious being aaron left and Daniel Davison, uh, our super good friend and our drummer at the time, Daniel and I kind of set the tone and really shoved like our 
angular agenda more than anything else on the record. So people that like that record will be blindsided by this record because this record is written by me, same guy, same middle fingers up all the time, do what I want, say what I want, write what I want, hope you like it. If you don't, that's fine. You can leave, no problem. And then you have dudes that write pop songs and country songs and rock songs and Chris does scores. And we have all these different people and Chris really stepped up and I think glued us together more because mm -hmm. Spencer and Aaron are kind of on this side on songwriting and I'm way over here on just like vibe and anger and uh, energy. And I think we had to figure out a way to fuse that. And I think that that's really the key element here is instead of just killing one off, we fused it where the old records were, we go head to head and then whoever has the biggest flamethrower wins and we just move out of frame with the other option. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I don't know if there's an analogy, but I think there's songs that are more interesting and more abstract and more artistic than other songs you've ever written on the same album. And there's also songs that are, we haven't written something so structured and straightforward since chasing safety on this album. Yeah. So it's well, like, that's what I'm trying to get you to say. You said if you are poppy and you go more angular in your terminology, then that is looked well at. And you're, you're cool saying, now. yeah, but I'm trying to get you to say out loud, we have gone more poppy. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, we've got more structured. I don't think we're mm -hmm. poppy, um, but I think we're more structured for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think we've, we've, we've eradicated a lot of the screaming side and that wasn't by design. There's for, some really aggressive screaming in it though. So that's, I agree. But, but, but if you, if you actually listed it out and there was like a court deposition yeah. of Spencer screams here and Spencer yeah. sings here, the, it's weighted very, very highly on the singing side. Um, and that was something that we were kind of just sitting in the studio going, is this okay? Is this us? Do we want this? Uh, yes. Okay. Will people be okay with that? And we just had to go, we don't care, mm -hmm. you know? And at the end of the day, like a lot of people, um, I think will take that and go, wow, that's not what I expected. And then a month later go, wow, I can't mm -hmm. stop listening to X, Y, Z song that yeah. I would have yelled at you about if I heard it before and I was your manager, I wouldn't even let you put it out. You yeah. know, and I think that's where we're at now is like, you know, the record leaked uh, the week before it came out and the Reddit forum that we had that was all like first singles, great raptures, whatever. I wish they went back to their old stuff. There were all these people, same screen name, just going, wow, like now that I hear it all, mm -hmm. I kind of I kind of fucked up. Like I, I just jumped to a conclusion and I was mad. I didn't even know what I wanted, but I didn't want that. Now that I hear it, like I actually love this. I want this now. And uh, and there's also people that are just like, nah, and there's yeah. other people that are like, I just found out about you guys. And this is the first record I've ever heard from you. So, I mean, I don't know. And I don't really care. You know, I it's just like, like, it's a brilliant way that it's rolled out. And you're, I think so many things have gone in your favor here. And I, I it's just so weird. It's almost like the narrative was, this is the way I feel about it. Like at first it was like, uh Oh, troubles are brewing comments are bad here we go and maybe they've made this mistake in this way or maybe they should release something else first sure. and then everybody got this thing where it's like wait a second why why are you guys being such assholes about somebody else's music and then after that narrative started taking hold like who are these dumb idiots that think it's okay to talk this way about other people online especially people that they've liked who are doing a different thing and yeah. then it was like after at some point it was like no and everybody wanted to defend under oath and get like they saw the reaction from the nasty people and like no I do owe them give them a chance here and I think it actually made more people 
sit with it and breathe and not want to be that person. I think it made people listen a second and a third time and to find the sure. real stuff. And then now it's this overwhelming wave of people like, yeah, these guys did something different and I'm going to sit with it and find out. And of course you're gaining a lot of new people because it's, there's some great sure. stuff in it too. So I really think you, there's been a little bit of a battle that I wasn't sure if you would win. And it seems like y'all have won and it's, it's like big balls and it's amazing. And I'm just so impressed by it. Like it's like conviction yeah. to make a decision, stick to it. And the public part of the battle, I think you have won too. Well, I, I, I think, I think that's the number one thing though. Right? Like, um, if bad Christian podcast started having more passers on because you got flack from Christians or, uh, if break it down, started having more lead singers on because no one wants to hear from the weirdo guitar player. They want to mm -hmm. hear from this guy, right? Like if you start catering the content mm -hmm. you're making and the art you're making to aggregate more or less or please, or try not to displease the people that are actually supporting you are going to smell that and they're going to smell bullshit and they're going to be out. Right. So yeah. it's like, I think the number one thing that people have said is, I don't know about this album yet based on two singles, yeah. but I know these guys and they've never done anything they haven't believed in. So I got to believe that once the project comes out, it's going to be something really special. And I think that, and I think like you said, those quote unquote, like out of the blue, out of the woods, like Robin Hood level defenders online were only there because they know we've never done anything that we're just like, yeah, like let's get, whatever let's get lord on a song and try to go to sure. top 40 radio you know do we like her yeah does she make sense from the earth of course not so it's like i think they really saw on my teeth and then rapture going yo like it's too close to call but let's trust the band for the next <laughs> yeah, nine yeah. songs right yeah and, and then the radio people go rapture finally we finally had something that's not so drastic that we can actually play you because People that were 24, 20 in 2004, 2004 when they bought our record are now 30, 34, yeah, 33. Anyway. And they're the actual radio players now. They're like, we love your band, but you guys are the worst at giving us something <laughs> we can actually play. And so it was a really interesting thing because when we wrote these songs organically, radio people started going, oh, I think I can work this. I, it's going to take a little bit of work, but I, I'm really going to work this. And we're really, we want to make this work for you guys and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just think overall, you know, I think the, 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 one of the Reddit or Instagram forums said it best. There was one comment literally right here. This is the worst album I've ever heard in the last 15 years. Not from under oath. I mean, ever period. Next <laughs> comment is under oath finally released the first song being raptured that they will play in arenas sold out for the next decade or two. They have finally arrived. Neither of those statements are true, yeah, but at all, it was probably. so yeah. interesting to see the polarization and it was like, we have the worst guy and our biggest cheerleader and the reality is like right in the middle. And yeah, will our tours be bigger this year than last year? We hope. Will they go down a bit? Cause we're not cool anymore. Hopefully not. Um, but any of those things are possible and it's all yeah, a risk yeah, and totally we just did what we want, definitely. you know, you got to live in it. You just got to live I mean, in it. I mean, even with Emery though, you guys have released so many different records and dynamics. I mean, I forget what record it is, but there's a song where you guys have like a Broadway, like we can know like something weird <laughs> where like the stuff goes down halftime and Toby's got four harmonies and there's like a weird shuffle. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here going, this makes absolutely no sense based on if I was a 
Wall's kid, right? Yeah. Right. And it's like, and so you guys push all these boundaries, and I'm sure you've seen the same thing. Like, we should have more breakdowns. We should have this, and then people sit with it and like, mm-hmm. why are you still coming to the show? Then if we're the worst band in the world, you know. Yep. And it's like, I had a kid on Instagram when I posted a song, and he he literally commented six point two send. And then I went yes. to his then I went to his website or his Instagram. He's a photographer, and his photographer his photographs were average. I just thought about posting 6.1 on his entire yeah. story, just every, yeah. every photo, you know, and it's just, it, it's like, and then you get in the game and it's fun to kind of like dip into and kind of get a little riled up. But at the end of the day, like you don't have to like our band. You don't have to listen to our band. I think if you did and you came and saw us, you're going to get it. And if you don't, then we're not for you anymore. There's well, 15,000 so, other bands. So, okay, so I'm a fan, and I'm thinking, oh, now they're this old sound. What do they, hate their old albums? Are they a new band? So, you know, like, as if you've, you've, and it felt like that with a lot of the albums that you did. Like, oh, what do they, do they hate? There was a time when it felt like, well, sure. now you don't even like their only chasing safety, and you weren't yeah. even playing any of those songs, and then eventually played them yep. again. So here's sure. what I want to know, is if you see Under Oath this year, is it all new stuff because fuck the old stuff, we've moved on and we're here now? No, Is actually. Is this the new Under um, Oath or, or what? Uh, no fixed tour set at w- without giving it away. I, I I think is fourteen or fifteen songs. There's five new songs. There's two songs off Disambiguation with mm-hmm. Daniel. Uh, there's three or four songs off Chasing Safety. Three or four songs off Finding a Great Line, and that's really the sum of the the whole. Mm-hmm. And everything's weighted equally. Um, and, and yeah, it flows, I mean, and, and, have you, you've already done the set. Like, does it feel like, I, cause I've never, I found that very cohesive when you see a band and you think their albums are so different and then you go yep. see them live and you can't remember which songs on which album, but it's like, Oh yeah, I totally get it. Like I that's the missing piece for everybody. I think you're gonna, you're gonna definitely figure out what albums, what, I mean, it, there's, there's no way to butt up any heavy song to reinventing your exit or right, right. whatever it is. Right. So, um, I think now instead of just thinking through this weird lens of like, we want people to think we're a certain way. We want to act a certain way. Like I've been really just operating a lot on, you know, gratitude and just the idea of like, I'm grateful for who I was when I was 20 mm-hmm. writing, reinventing your exit. And You're that 20 year old kid wrote the best song he could. Yeah. You don't you know? renounce your old stuff. Yeah, right. we, we, we can't. We did at one point because we didn't know who we were and we just felt like that was a weird blemish on us being a cool band, um, which I think was just immaturity at the time. But yeah, I mean, I look at our Spotify now and like Boy Brushed Red has the most streams of any Under Oath song in the world ever. Right. And it's like, you know, we can make jokes about how cheesy or how weird or how funny it is that that's our biggest song. We have so many other better songs and we do, but like at the end of the day, like let's celebrate that song that so many other people keep celebrating. So Mm -hmm. yeah, we're going to play that. We're going to play this. We're going to play this. And you know, if we're not artistically moved by it, because that's our old selves, the energy off the crowd, we just start having an exchange and it's, it's amazing. We did that on Rebirth. You know, we played all of Chasing Safety front to back. And there were songs on there we've never played live in our lives. We had to relearn them from start to finish. And like, it never felt weird. It just felt mm-hmm. like we're here and there's 12 feet from this stage to this little fence. And there's 2,000 people on the other side. And it's really just 2,006 people doing one thing. And I think that's really, really important. And I just think being grateful, I'm, dude, I'm 34 years old. Like, joined this band when I was 17. And it's just, 
It's insane. The fact that I can go out and play any show in any country or any city and at least have it be decent enough to pay myself to get there. Oh, yeah. Uh, that in is itself, just, yeah, just being amazing. justified. That that is being just, justified as you go somewhere and there's a reason when you get there, it wasn't a sham. It was a reason yeah. you should have been there. And yeah, that that's totally and, it. And I think I've I've heard you talk about that with Emery on a couple of your podcasts recently too. But it's like you you reverse engineer your expectations and just go, there's other people now that are still like hawking cars at CarMax. And they and it's not because that's what they want to do. It's because they would love to be here, but they didn't get here. Or they don't have the guts to be here. So it's like yeah. there's, and I don't think that we have to go into a class war on professions. But I think you know, there's people that would kill to just be in Emory right now. Are you as <laughs> big as Walls when you could sell two hundred thousand albums when CDs were existing? No, but would someone kill right now to take your spot in your band? Yes. So like know that and be okay and get up every day thanking the universe that you're still in your band. And that's kind of where I'm at too. It's like, I'm just in a spot where I'm like, yeah, like were there bigger years Were there smaller years Is our first week going to be as big as to find the great line. Never. So like what I have two choices. I could be mad and feel like we're old and we're decaying or the industry. I'm so mad streaming, everything's ruined. Or mm-hmm. I can go, yeah. we're going to have a top 10 album and it's our, seventh album and this is insane and we have billboards in la and we have just all this crazy shit and like how beautiful is that and people did that for us because we wrote a record that everyone's like yeah not only are we going to pay for it but now that we hear it we're going to go balls out and like that's great you know we did it our way we did it with people we loved i loved recording i love our dudes and i love everyone that supported us and if you don't like the record and you don't come to the show that's okay too you know it's like operating out of that awareness um, and almost like artistic stoicism, I think is what allows you to just let those really good comments go by without feeling like that's your new bar and mm-hmm. let the horrible comments go by without going, Oh, we're wrong. I'm not cool right. anymore. I don't get it anymore. This kid gets it better than I do. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. That's, that's totally true. So I think the whole thing boils down and I'll button it up with this and tell me if you think it's right. But the thing that's great about it, just from where we even started talking is you have to live in very much uncertainty and there's so many things that you know for sure like you live in this world and everybody could apply this i mean you you have to be brave enough to know for sure the things that you do know like what you want to ride and what you feel and you have to be able to let go of i I can't control the outcomes of this but i have very strong opinions about the input and what i want to do and what i want to do next and i'm flexible I may and I may be wrong, but I feel very strongly that this is what I want to do, and I don't know if it'll work. I yes. do not know. Yep. And and that's what you're doing with your living situation or your band or the new direction of Under Oath, and that's what that's why other people would rather work at CarMax because paycheck comes on Friday, you can count on it. Yeah, I Boss mean, is I a have, dickhead, I but have whatever. A half packed up house. My kids are all living in one room. I have a gas station that I don't know how to pay for that we can't mm-hmm. get permitting for. And we have a new record out that a lot of people love and a lot of people hate. Like I'm living the chaos and I love and it. You, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's I'd not wrong just for a people podcast with you and just chill yeah. and like keep talking about it. I'm not even worried. I'm just like, yo, it's all gonna be good. I believe in myself. We're gonna crush it. It's fine. You yeah. know? And and it's not for everybody. So it's anybody not. else if you have a four oh one K job that's good and you like it and that's you, that's very fine. Like there's Absolutely. nothing to criticize 1, about that person at all. As long as that's is you can identify that that is for you and that is what you want and you accomplish yeah. it and you achieve it and you should 
very much enjoy that. I think I could enjoy that, but I've just chosen a different path. The people that are in the middle, they're scared to do one or the other or just being lazy. That That's the people who... you got to pick a you, side, you man. Learn, yeah, you, know? you got to pick something there. Yeah. If, and I think, if, if the chaos isn't for you, fair, please do not force yourself into that. You'll be miserable. Yeah, you jump into the deep end, you're going to drown quick, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think I, I think that's it. And I even, you know, not to keep mentioning your other podcast, but like Toby talking about being a truck driver on Bad Christian. It's like, yeah. we've come to a spot in our life, you and I, uh, and I guess Toby, uh, where we're so in control of everything we do for good or bad. We take the wins and we also get really devastated by the losses. Like we're unemployable. Like you yeah, can't go get a job. I can't I mean. go get a job. No one's yeah. going to hire me. What's your resume? I own all my businesses. What are they? A band and a coffee shop. What's that about? Uh, I don't know. I've just been doing it since I was a teenager and it made yeah. money for a while. Now it doesn't. That's why I need your job. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's like, there's no skill set that you can prove because we all have high school and GEDs. We well, the worst part about it is if you got the job and did have the qualifications, you know that, there's probably some period of weeks later where you're going to be like, what am I doing? Full regret. You're not, Full regret. I'm not going to probably, please don't hear this future boss. I'm probably not going to be that into it. Sure. You yeah. know, like I'll only be half engaged in what I'm doing for you in the future. And please don't come back and listen to this episode, but I'm probably spaced out sitting at my desk right now, trying to think of a Thinking scheme about my next to get podcast. out of yeah, <laughs> yeah, or my next job or what else I can do. And that's exactly. not going to be, I'm not going to be a great employee if you hire me. Please don't listen to this because I'm probably going to need a job at some point, whoever No, you man. I mean, that's it. I mean, we work harder than everyone and, you know, we have big years and small years, but I, I wouldn't change anything at all. I wouldn't change it for a minute or for a million dollars. Well, okay. So I got to run. You got to run. But what do you want to tell people about King State, Coffee, and Carolhood? These oh, are two shoot. other things that I'd love to see succeed, and they seem like they are. But they're both very cool things. And King uh, State's been going great, it seems, if you're going to open a bar, too. Yeah. King State's doing well. So, yeah, me and Nate Young from uh, Amberlynn, who we married sisters 10 years ago. We've been brother-in-laws for a while, best friends before that because we were on the same label. Um, and then we started a business together at King State. We bought a coffee roaster in 2014, started roasting out of my garage, built it all out here, uh, illegal operation. Nobody listened to this. Uh, Matt's future employer as well as the city of Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um, then we graduated to a larger roaster, a larger roasting facility. And then, uh, yeah, uh, the day, two days before, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, we closed on a gas station. So we bought a big four lot um gas station 1700 square feet with like five or 800 square feet of uh patio space where the old pumps used to be and uh it's in a really cool neighborhood in tampa uh last thursday we got our official wet zoning approval from city council i had to go to court in between chicago and la uh radio uh record release wow. week and uh came home red eye 9 30 a.m court hearing got wet zoned approval seven out of seven Three hours later, flew straight to Chicago to uh, do uh, our radio showcase. So I've been busy and I haven't slept and it's hot in here because my AC is off. But uh, we got a lot going on. And um, yeah, the bar is going to be open. It's going to be full beer, wine, full food, coffee, 7 a.m. till midnight every night. And uh, we'll be open in August. And then uh, Carol Hood's just another cool project. There's We don't make money. We don't play shows. We don't tour. We're not signed. We'd love to do more with it. But it's just, uh, it's my pure vanity project. And it's Nate, again, from King State and Amberlynn. And then our friend Reed from, uh, he used mm-hmm. to be in Say Anything. So 
us three dudes just get mm-hmm. together and it's like a couple beers and get in my studio. We just nerd out. And then when we have something worth diving into, we dive into it and we have enough to get mixed. We just put out EPs. So it seems it. like a well-designed life. All those things sound very enjoyable and satisfying and hard work. And some of them pay and some of them are passion and some of them are in between. And it's, a thousand percent. And they're all for your enjoyment and, and, and they, and they're functional. They're, you know, they're real they projects work. that, that, that yeah. work. And that f- feels satisfying and, and is great. So keep, Tim, keep, keep working on that uh, life design. You're, you're good at it. Maybe our future will be, we will be life business career designers, consultants. Life design coaches. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, not, life coach is not really, <laughs> that's not, doesn't have the connotation, but career designer, that's something, sure. something like that. Something Absolutely. like that. We could well, possibly yeah, be qualified to do, but we'd have to start our own business to do it. Yeah, well, maybe we will. I'll call you after this podcast, low-key. We'll get it started. Yep. All right, thanks for talking. We'll do uh, some Bad Christian stuff later this or next week or something like that, too. There's a bunch of more underworld stuff to talk about, but thanks for doing this with me today. Hell yeah, man. Give Tell uh, Reva and Joey and Toby and all the crew I say what up. You got it. Thanks, Tim. All right, see ya. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest, to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor. And every week, I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food. So come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.